Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that its plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Good evening. Good evening, sir. I like how you were holding the microphone away from you to bring it then to your face only when it was time to talk and at no other time. I like to make sure that I have it away from my mouth when I breathe, like your favourite man. Tay Zonday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still hate him. I'm still really <laughs> angry about him for being just so open about his the cynical strategy of following to unfollow to get more followers to follow to unfollow to get more followers 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 etc because what I, we all want is followers as if we're all supposed to be jesus i think secretly all of us want to run our own cults don't we oh it's, yeah yeah uh, it's part of the human condition gordonism i've heard it's great yeah yeah everyone should join my uh join my definitely not a cult yeah, if if you have to say that it's definitely not a cult, it's definitely not a cult, right? Yeah, exactly. We are the minimalists, named after the cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, and every, we you apply those design principles to everything. Everything in your house is cat shaped. Every everything is cat shaped. You give away all the rest of your possessions to me, of course, for the good of the greater church, um, and uh, it all works out fine. Mm. You promised eternal salvation in the form of returning to the ancient Egyptian process of mummification because they used to mummify their cats, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, that we we are corporeal beings, of course, and the physical is relevant. So we must ensure that our physical forms after our souls pass are also maintained in the appropriate manner, uh, as per the teachings of minimalism. Yeah, the teachings of mini. Yes. And the it's scratchings like, uh, of Minnie. Yes, and the, the, the floofings of Minnie. Yeah, that's my favourite book of the uh, the Minimalist Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, you, you must have soft fur at all times. Strict grooming regimes in, in minimalism. The Min Commandments. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, did you you so, did that just to spite me, didn't you, the mic thing? You did it just to remind me of Tazon Day. And just to remind you of Tazon Day, yeah. Um, so how are you, anyway? How are yeah, you? not too bad. I'm, I'm pretty much fully recovered from surgery now. I can breathe, I can smell, I'm a new man. Excellent. So now is the perfect time to take up smoking. Yeah, yeah. smoking and farting. <laughs> Like going to be my two my two new hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> just just making sure that you break your records. Yeah, Smoke, smoking and farting. <laughs> You're going to say just making sure that you break wind because <laughs> some people don't. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, Everyone, I'm pretty sure the queen's never farted. Everybody example. breaks wind. Nah, the queen's never farted. That's only because they're reptilians. Exactly, we've yeah. established this. That's what, that's what's the point, actually. Do do lizards fart? Lizards I don't think they do. And... I don't. I don't think they they have the ability to. Hmm. Interesting. The, the, everything comes out of a a different kind of hole. So I imagine that there's probably not the same same method. It might be some continuous stream of gas. Uh, so they're they're farting twenty four seven. They're constantly farting. Yeah. Like a very slowly let down balloon, constantly <laughs> throughout their life. Oh, that's that's. <laughs> That's what that noise was in the background of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't just the illegal copy that I downloaded. It's like you know, you know, you know when um, when you hear crickets at night mm-hmm. chirping away. That's not chirping. It's just the continual farting. Does that make it better or worse that you know when someone says something a lot like that, like it's supposed to elicit a reaction, and then? There's no, there's nothing except the sound of crickets chirping to indicate the nothingness of response. Um, is it better or worse that that is in fact farting? <laughs> it's infinitely better. Yeah, infinitely better. I think, I think so too. You'd rather it was that than the, the crickets were like deliberately trolling. Yeah, definitely. Like, oh, there's an awkward silence. 
Ramp it up a notch, fellas. Yeah. So crickets, right? Farting all the time, and they have ears on their knees. That's they're just the most disgusting beasts, aren't they? <laughs> and as with every insect, um, imagine it human-sized. Yeah. If you think, if you think, oh, that's not too bad. Imagine that, but human-sized. Yeah. I mean, that's not as bad as a wasp, maybe. No, a human-sized wasp is not so good. Would you rather fight 10 wasp-sized humans or, I don't know. (laughs) One one, one horse-sized wasp. Horse-sized wasp, yeah. That's my new metal band. (laughs) That's a very good metal band name. Hello, we're horse-sized wasp. (laughs) Here's our first song. Our songs are in drop C. (laughs) You've got to go drop C, man. I love a bit of drop C. The tuning that Metallica used on their best album, Saint Anger. <laughs> Excuse me, or have you know that their best album is Reload? <laughs> Thank you very much. Of course, yeah. It does actually uh, have um, The Memory Remains on it, which is a good song. That's a, that's a tune and a half. And unlike Fran Tick, 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 Tock, which I still <laughs> think is one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. It's shockingly bad. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Welcome oh, to Metallica yeah. cast, everybody. We, we could, I genuinely could talk about Metallica all day. We we really could, actually. I really wish that they didn't play all their songs tuned down because they're too old to sing in the original key now, because I would really like to go and see them, but I find it hard to listen to songs that were originally recorded in E done in D just because his voice has dropped so much. I don't know. I, I think it, kudos to them for keeping going and finding a way around it. Because the the alternative is them really struggling to hit the notes, and I think that's definitely worse. You mean like Bob Dylan? Yeah, because Bob Dylan he he tunes down some stuff now, doesn't he? Yep, and some stuff he tunes up. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Um, my, my favorite thing is I, I never got to see them live, which is a shame. But um, Sonic Youth, uh, when you saw them live, apparently it was just completely different to see to listening to an album because they had all of their <laughs> all of their uh, touring guitars just in random tunings um, and they wouldn't like match whatever they were playing on record. So you just get it always in some random tuning, um, which I think is a fascinating way to, uh, to, to, to go about playing live. I think it's really sort of bold move. Yeah. That's part of their thing, isn't it? Just being awesome. Yeah. I am. Um, I've got about halfway through Kim Gordon's book. I need to finish it. My neighbour lent it to me. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's very it's, good. Uh, it's fascinating. And she has a solo album out this year oh. as well, which is very experimental, as you probably might expect. Yeah. But what else is experimental is the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Indeed. You say? Indeed. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a Sonic Youth album of a movie, for sure. Yeah, I think so. So, um, I assume you've seen this film before. I Everyone's have, seen yes. this film, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Unless, everybody were you living under a rock in two thousand and four, in which case <laughs> you're excused. Everybody who was at college or university in the same kind of years as we were saw this movie, yeah. um, and everybody thought this is a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, and and all these years later, I think that still kind of holds up, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is I, I've lost count on the number of times I've seen this film. So this is maybe the seventh or eighth viewing for me. I don't know that it like blew my mind like the first time I saw it. Maybe and there is a slight element of you know I really loved this film when I saw it when I was a teenager because it, it was all influential and it was impressionable. But maybe if I saw it now for the first time, I wouldn't think as much of it. But it still I think holds up really really well. And I think it's actually a very important film from that decade and in the, the timeline of the director and all of the actors in it as well, all of whom were people who were on the up but weren't unknown at the time either. So it's it's a really good time capsule of them, as, aside from being a, just a really great film, whoever was acting it. Yes, it, it, it's really a movie that, in, it, you're right, it encapsulates that period of our lives and it's, it's one of those cultural landmarks of those sort of mid-2000 years. Um, but it it has a timeless quality to it and it i mean again i i wasn't one of those people that fell in love with it because i've always been a little bit skeptical i suppose of those movies that everyone says oh this is a beautiful bittersweet movie i i i'm always cynical of bittersweet films 
Um, yeah. Was this often... one of the ones you were saying last week? Because like the people would say that they like at university to say that they're sensitive people, but they're still going to sleep with you and not call you back. Is this yeah, one this, of those films? This, this is one of the like sensitive fuckboy movies. I know, Garden yeah. State is the main one. <laughs> Garden State is the ultimate sensitive fuckboy movie, but this is up there. Um, there's a You know what I'm talking about, listeners, when I talk about the sensitive fuckboy. The sensitive fuckboy. Yeah. It, they exist they you know they're not as they're, they're possibly worse than your regular fuck boy because they're more insidious they sort yeah. of creep into your life uh, like there's they, a certain misogyny in oh i'm such a nice guy why won't anyone date me it's it, that, it, it's that it same goes, kind of thing it goes from i'm such a nice guy why won't anyone date me to you're not like the other girls and it all comes from the same position of awkward not masculine misogyny of these people that wear skinny jeans and 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 try and get away from your regular tropes of being a man but also uh have many of the worst factors of toxic masculinity ingrained in different ways and still you know treat women as objects and think that women owe them their time and their attention yes so they can all go to fuck is is the message of this episode they can go to sensitive fuck they can go to sensitive (laughs) fuck boy land it's the worst theme park that sounds even worse than Banksy's Dismaland. <laughs> um, yeah, don't go visit Sensitive Fuckboy Land. Um, you'll the, queue for ages. The, the, you'll queue for ages. It will be disappointing when you actually get on a ride. And um, all of the staff are atrocious. Yeah, they're it's, awful. They're awful. They're all in skinny jeans. They're all telling you about how great Garden State is. They tell I mean, you that Zach Braff is somewhere in the park, but you never find him. Um, I mean, you know, like... It's hard to do things like um, proper groundskeeping in skinny jeans. So the whole place is a mess. Yeah, it stinks. It smells <laughs> real bad. You know, it's hard It's hard to do maintenance in skinny jeans and a beanie and a big cardigan. The cardigans keep getting stuck in the gears. So Beanies, all of the rides Right, are, that's are the thing I was going to bring up. Because <laughs> it was last week that I dissed beanies. And I was like, what is it with beanies? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then was. in the opening bit of Eternal Sunshine, he's wearing a beanie. He is. And I think it actually kind of looks all right. Well, th- th- that's him. that's one of the, it's not one of the tiny beanies, is it? No, it's not an idiot beanie. <laughs> it's a, it, the sort of normal looking beanie, but it's not quite a woolly hat because it doesn't, there's no poof element. It doesn't poof up, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's a halfway home, isn't it, between the two? Yeah um but that's so, a good beanie it is a good beanie he, he does all right with it doesn't he yeah i think so and i i love that opening scene actually it takes what like 10 15 minutes before the title sequence comes in and suddenly the title sequence is in and you're like oh okay this is like a, a film and it's serious and stuff and whatever whereas you totally forget because you're so immersed in it that the title sequence hasn't happened and i love that it's really really good and actually that for that opening 10 to 15 minutes of them it's actually it you learn later of course that it's them falling in love again after they've had their memories wiped um, and finding each other again but it it's played as the just them randomly coming across each other and then um sort of having a date and then having another date and then that stuff is all shot on like quite grainy film and it's all quite low key but it all builds really really well and yeah, I just think it's brilliant. And actually, even if the film was just that story, it would have been enough almost, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's it's really well crafted, this movie. Um, and, and the first time you watch it, obviously, it's the whole twist of, oh, the first time you see them is actually when they rekindled their, their, their romance, not knowing about one another. Um, and with each watch after that, um, you know, it loses that magic, that sudden twist, as it were. Um, not not that it's the kind of thing that you don't guess pretty, pretty about halfway through the film. You kind of think, oh, yes, OK, that's what's going on. Um, but it still comes as a surprise. And, and you can never recapture that surprise. And often with those kind of movies, you find that on each uh, each watch, it loses a little bit of that power behind it. Um, you know, m- movies like... Um, the usual suspects when you find out that the killer is a talking dog it completely ruins the rest of the the movie for you when you're watching it again and again and again um but uh but this i think because of the the way that it's filmed and the intelligent way that it's crafted and the intelligent way that it's paced you almost gain something on rewatches and it's not the kind of film that you can necessarily put on every month you know some some movies 
naming no names robocop you could just watch over and over again um but this one how many times have you seen robocop i must have seen robocop oh god i don't know at least 50 times Wow. At least 50 times, I think, because I used to, we used to have it on video. So I used to watch it on video when I was a kid. That was um, it. We didn't have loads of other films on video, did you? You had to keep rewatching yeah, them. Yeah, you, you had to keep rewatching them. And like, there's only so many times that you can watch. Not to sound like a boomer. <laughs> back in. A word that's very hot at the moment. Back in my day, we only had two films on video and they were both censored because you couldn't get the full release in the UK. And yeah. we liked it. It was the bridge on the River Kwai. And... <laughs> no, no, the Great Escape. <laughs> and the Great Escape. Just yeah. that. Just those two. <laughs> British films about Funnily enough, British people. Even though you know that I hate British things, I love The Great Escape. I think that's a great film. And I had that on a video that I used to watch all the time when I was a kid. You're an absolute boomer, Paddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Loving The Great Escape. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Um, no, I, I I like The Great Escape. I think it's a very good film. Um, it's really well put together. Yeah, it's it it's a it's one of those sort of great movies of that era. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. We can be boomers together. Um, we could be boomers <laughs> just for the rest of our lives. <laughs> can, can we talk about the phrase "okay boomer"? Yeah, it's it's kind of it's jumped the shark now, hasn't it? It has because people have started writing serious discourse about it. Yeah, there's like there's probably been an explainer about it in the Telegraph. So yeah, that's, and that's yeah. how you know it's gone wrong. But I I do the, the boom saying okay boomer to someone it is not a, a discussion over their age. It is a discussion over their state of mind, and yeah. I think that's, boomer is a state of mind, and, and and that's what's really funny about it is is the angrier someone gets about the OK Boomer phrase, the funnier it is. Um, like gammon, yeah, exactly. Like gammon, the, gammon is still hilarious, and calling someone a gammon is still hilarious. And I feel as though maybe that's the one downside of OK Boomerism is that it's seen a reduction in the use of the phrase gammon. And the I think boomer is the new gammon, but you can't accuse it of having of having racial overtones. Uh, people are, are trying though aren't they i'm sure they are discriminatory yeah. all boomers um, are white <laughs> there were no black people until until the 70s <laughs> oh yeah i mean that's that's how most gammony boomers um it's just just a screaming pig really that, that that's what a gammony boomer is it's just a pig <laughs> screaming into the void speaking of screaming pigs so uh, my dad came to visit earlier this week and um that's not where the sentence ends we um we would i was just like going through netflix while we were talking about stuff and trying to put on something on the background in the background that would just be like nice gentle tv so i put on that show taco chronicles which we talked about before which i loved and it was going fine and then suddenly it switched to like this weird sketch that was from the point of view of the pigs that were about to be eaten and they were all talking about how happy they were to be eaten and it got really weird. So we had to switch to chill with Bob Ross. <laughs> oh my God. I need to watch that episode. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it I'm gets, getting on board gets dark in some of the later episodes of Taco Chronicles. If you, would, if you would like something else chill to watch, um, Dark Tourist is great. Um, yeah, we watched, we watched all of that um, a few months ago. Um, it's got, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the, the New Zealand... Uh, investigative journalist um, David Farrier. Oh yeah, um, and he goes around various sort of dark tourism spots, so um, doing things like going into radiation zones around Fukushima. Um, oh wow! Going on a a a, a Jeffrey Dahmer love in tour. Um, going going around uh, going around Milwaukee, checking out his murder spots for people who love Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, things like that. It's a really interesting show, very reminiscent of um, like Louis Theroux. Um, right. So yeah, that that's our recommendation. A, watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind if you've not. B, go and watch Dark oh, Taurus. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, jeez. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, but you know, Chill with Bob Ross is also pretty good. More like Bob Floss because he cleans your soul. It's like Candy Floss. Well, yeah, he cleans your soul. <laughs> we went in very different directions with that. <laughs> But we always come back together in the end. That's what's good about this show. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
exactly um so did you see this film in the cinema eternal sunshine i didn't see it in the cinema no uh i didn't either the first time i watched it was on one of those going back to our boomer moments oh do you remember non-widescreen <laughs> televisions of the so if, the big if you backs? talk about any like remembering anything that is not the technology of now you're a boober <laughs> exactly exactly um yeah it was, it was watching it boomers. on watching it on some some crappy old television but it's a, it's a lovely film i really like this film and that that's a good word for it but not necessarily a word that you would necessarily choose the film that does get a little bit dark towards the end when you start to realize that the um the thing about them wiping people's memories is not it appears slick at first but actually it's not it's kind of a ramshackle operation which is really interesting isn't it the the idea that this kind of essentially like a tech company like medical tech company could actually be a bit shit at what they do and be be up to no good yeah it's 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 a very 2019 take for a movie from 2004 that these tech companies might be up to no good um Mm. and it really is and and I, what I really like about this film is the way that it does delve into into those questions. Um, that hey, what are the ramifications of of this technology that's just kind of there? Um, how is this going to impact on people's lives, not just in a positive but in a negative way? And and, and what are the unforeseen circumstances? Um, how can it be um, abused by the people who know how to use it and how can it be abused by people who um, who work within the system so it's it's really interesting that it goes into um, Kirsten Dunst's character uh, kind of being forced into having her own memory wiped um, over an affair with with Tom Wilkinson's character the um, the sort of senior doctor behind it all um elijah wood being an absolute creep and preying on um people who have just used the service and using the information that they provided to to um get into their into their good books and get into their lives and you can kind of tell that this is not the first time that he's done this either Um, it's not the first time he's been a creep with a soul patch no no definitely not um and and the fact that it does go into those details is really interesting and the fact that it shows the confusion left behind by having your memory erased what what seems at first as a positive thing to get rid of these these awful circumstances um leads to like damage down the line and i find it interesting that the movie also delves into how this technology would be used and it wouldn't be used in positive ways like if someone goes through an incredibly traumatic experience maybe it would actually be beneficial to remove it yeah absolutely and it kind of Um, hints at that but people it it, but people are using but people are using it to get rid of bad relationships Um, yeah of course because everything would come down to that wouldn't it yeah and not like abusive relationships but just we fell out and we had a bad argument and we don't want to see each other again so let's get rid of it and and that's not the most useful way that this this tool can be used and it could be used to actually really benefit people's lives if it was well regulated um if there was checks and balances behind it but instead it's oh yeah we always have a spike around valentine's day and it's clearly people going oh i feel bad about a past relationship i want to get rid of it but there is also that woman in the doctor's waiting room who has a box full of stuff um to do with her dog and she's like sheds a single tear in the waiting room that gets me every time i mean i don't want to be callous but animals die and it is painful what <laughs> but okay. it is painful i've been there it's very sad but sometimes you need to um roll with that and and recognize that death is a part of your life and and death is a part of all our lives and one day we will all meet the sweet embrace of death that cold dark nothing what was it than... Samuel Beckett said? They give birth astride of a grave, something. They go eat cake in hell. That's what <laughs> I, he says. I'd, I'd go to hell if there's cake. Yeah, man. Um, but... <laughs> but what's really clever about the whole memory loss thing is that, as you say, there are so many unanswered questions. And usually when we talk about a film that has that kind of dystopian element, I'm always the one being like, I want more, I want more, I want more. But I don't want more in this film because it handles it perfectly because it's a love story. 
it's a romance that perfectly understands how to use those elements to augment its story um, in terms of both plot and characterization, and it nails it as well. There are so many things that you do wonder, but you also think it doesn't matter because it wouldn't have made a difference to Joel and Clementine's story. And that's why it works. Because, you know, you always wonder, like, how does how is he not aware that that technology exists? Because if that would be such a huge technological advance, they would be everywhere and everyone would be aware of it, like in Timer. But it's um, it's just this, like, little backroom operation. And that, that, that element of it is really, really strange. And it adds to the overall strangeness of the film, which, you know, is meant to present this picture of what was happening inside his head. And especially as a lot of it, actually, the narrative is sort of, there are the weird bits where he's like, he's under the table and he's crying and he's a kid and an adult at the same time, like in a dream and all that stuff, which I think is great and works really, really well. But yeah, the the idea of it all happening inside his head makes none of that stuff really matter. But the romance still works, which is the key thing. Yes, for sure. And and, and when you said that it's their story, that that's exactly right in that... This is focused on two people's personal sort of experiences of this technology and and how it impacts on their relationship and and how it builds upon that as a romance story. So you don't necessarily need that that big detail behind it, behind how it works and everything like that, because it's these two outsiders going in and how this impacts on their lives. Um, and and of course, it goes through a very short time period as well in that you know this this movie is effectively uh, the vast majority of it is inside his mind uh in one night and 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 that's how it works really well that that f- that focus allows it to allows it that room to breathe without having to get bogged down in the details and and you know i i would be interested to see more of this world but i don't think it needs it for the story that it's telling here no there's definitely enough detail there to make it interesting and to carry it off as a, a sub two hour film. It gets so much done in an hour and 45. I felt like it was a much longer film. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cause it, it, it leaves a mark, doesn't it? It really mm-hmm. does. Um, and, 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 you know, you can't really say much better about a movie than that. Can you, if it, no. if it, if it leaves this much of an impression? No, it definitely make you think. Indeed, indeed. Um, and it's got loads of great people in it as well. I think everyone is is perfect in this film. Yeah. Elijah um, Wood, as you say, is perfect as the, the young creep doing his thing. Mark Mark Gruffalo does his Mark Gruffalo <laughs> thing. But no, he's he's actually really, really good as well. It's the kind of low-key, sort of vaguely bemused and funny tech guy doing his thing with the memory thing. Yeah, I really love Mark Gruffalo a lot. I think he's a very versatile actor. Um, and you know, every everyone loves him as as Captain Green Man, which is his superhero name. Is he Captain Green Man? He is Captain Green Man. He gets angry and shreds his clothes and beats people up. No, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he. <laughs> I thought it was um our main handsome man Eric Banana. <laughs> it was it was Eric Banana, then it was Edward Norton, and and now it's him. Edward Norton was the Hulk. He was the Hulk in one movie, yeah. No, surely. Yeah. Not. So so the first movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the Hulk in, it was Edward Norton. But then he didn't come back and so they recast for Mark Ruffalo. Huh. Why didn't he come back? Dunno. Um he He's he probably off doing something good. He was sick of being covered in avocado. Uh, which is how yeah, they made I, I him can, It wasn't CG. I sympathize with that. I've been it wasn't covered in avocado a couple of times this week because <laughs> we've been feeding it into the baby. <laughs> Uh, it, it wasn't CGI. Um, it was all prosthetics in that movie. Uh, and so it wasn't actually rubber or plastics or anything like that. They were just carving out avocado after avocado and just mushing it onto his skin to make him big enough for the scenes. Yeah, and he it was had a like, real effect on the world's avocado supply. And he was like, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm done now. You wouldn't um, have that now with the millennials with their avocado toast. They wouldn't give it up <laughs> to support the Hulk, would they? No, they would not. You know, goddamn millennials, get off my, get off my world. Yeah. So basically, anyone who remembers anything is a boomer, and anyone <laughs> who like likes new things or is young is a millennial. Those yes. are the two genders. Yeah. Even though millennials are now old, yeah, we're now into Zoomers, aren't we? Zoomer territory. Mm-hmm. Um. God bless our our wonderful young people who are going to change everything. 
Yeah. Please change everything. We failed. Yes, please Gen, do. Gen X failed. <laughs> Grow up and get rid of all of the awful people. Yep. Get rid of emissions, you know, help the planet stay green and stuff. I think is they actually want this to happen and they believe yes. in it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I have faith. I have faith in the Zoomers. I don't. We're all going to die. Well, there's that. <laughs> but I mean, I think they're going to make it slightly less bad before we do. I hope so. <laughs> Either that before... or they're all, they're all just on TikTok and they're ignoring everything. I mean, that's but definitely... that's what a boomer would say. That's definitely the better option, though. TikTok's great. Um, is it? I don't even know what it is. TikTok's... What, what, was, the, what was the old uh, short video format app that was oh, Vine. Yeah, it's basically Vine. All right. Well, what was um, wrong with Vine? The, didn't it get bought out by somebody who then killed it? Yeah. I think that's what happened to Vine. That's what happens to us all. <laughs> we all one one day someone just turns up and says, "I've now acquired the rights to you, and now we're going to shelve you indefinitely." And that that's that's what happens. That would actually make for quite a good high concept thriller. Yeah, this is, this is going to be our new film isn't getting, it? after getting, Wizard Cop. Yeah, after Wizard Cop, we go all Black Mirror. Yeah, um, <laughs> Dark Window. It's called Dark Window. <laughs> um, and yeah, everybody is owns the franchise to their own rights um like like indentured servants basically it's like futuristic indentured servitude um and eventually people can be like i will buy the rights to you as a franchise and your intellectual property um but then you've got to maintain your worth to the company that's that's making you um like if you're like one of these youtubers these tiktoker types someone comes along and says i'll give you a million dollars for the rights to you but then it turns out to be a bad deal. Yeah, because they say, you know what? We don't like your content. Now you're going to make vines about crayons instead or something like that. Yep. Um, well, it's just the constant pressure to create content means that you, you have to keep it up and then you can't do it anymore. And then they sell they sell the rights to you to some like businessman in Uzbekistan. Yes, Who wants exactly. to turn you into like a troll bot farm. Hey, this, this is actually not bad. <laughs> this is this is a black mirror episode yeah in the making sure. definitely um yeah <laughs> this is far choose your own adventure you could yeah yeah do, do a little choose your own adventure that'll get the boomers on side a- they love choose your own adventures yeah a, a venture capitalist tries to buy the rights to you what do you do you say no because those people are leeches get out we hate you <laughs> the f- official official stance of big yeah. boys podcast episode over Five stars, Entertainment Weekly. Five stars. <laughs> um, so, this movie, right? I really like it, Paddy. I think it might be Elijah Wood's best role. What I like is that Elijah Wood did this after um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Everyone was like, it's Frodo with a soul pack. <laughs> and Elijah Wood's um, career post-Lord of the Rings is actually very, very interesting. Um so you know you'd have thought he'd and 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 people do sometimes find it difficult after they've been in such a big series of movies to to continue doing sort of big films but what i think with him is that he's deliberately chosen all of these interesting movies outside of that um so you know you've got things like sin city or or maniac where he's played evil serial killers um did you see everything is illuminated no, I haven't. I've heard it's that good. That is a film that I really, really love, that he is really, really good. And I've read the book as well by Jonathan Safran Foer. It's mostly autobiographical, mm. slightly embellished story of him, like going to visit his, like discovering a journey of self-discovery about his family in Eastern Europe. And um, the singer from Gogol Bordello is in the film playing like his, um, the guy who's showing him around. It's just incredible. It's so funny and so moving. And yeah, I should watch that again. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember it being very good. And he's Elijah Wood's really good in that. Oh, amazing. Um, and, and he, he turns up in films like I don't feel at home in this world anymore, which I don't know if you've seen that. No, um, I have not. It's like a, an offbeat comedy drama about, um sort of vigilantism basically um okay. so so melanie linsky who i don't know if i don't know if you know melanie mm, linsky yeah yeah um someone breaks into her house and steals her stuff um and so the, the the cops won't help her so she wants to go and find out who did it and get her stuff back 
um, and Elijah Wood is her is her neighbour with nunchucks. He wants to help her, <laughs> and and so they go on this kind of journey together to try and get this back. But it unravels into more and more of this sort of criminal underworld. It's a really interesting, funny film. Um, that sounds great. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, um, d- directed by um, Macon Blair, who is a he's an actor and he's been in lots of great stuff like Blue Ruin. In fact, that's a very weird tie-in because Blue Ruin is the name of her hair color in 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 this film. Um, but uh, but also in Green Room as well, the the movie about Nazi oh, punks, yeah. which is awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so he's he's had an interesting career, and I I really like that he's chosen so many different movies after lord of the rings when it could have been quite easy for him to sort of go into into less dangerous territory than than these these yeah. very different films but this is a different film for everyone and that's what's really good about it actually it's all people that you know from other stuff so that when you see them you're like oh yeah i know it's ace ventura pet detective but he's being like a a, a serious guy and doing the serious stuff but there is a, an element of humor to it there is there is an understated good-natured humour to this film that carries it off and means that it doesn't end up being totally depressing and bleak because it's the kind of thing that very, very easily could end up being so bleak. But because it's Jim Carrey, you can't help but laugh at some of it, even though he's being super serious. Yes. Like when he's he's the kid and he's crying in his pyjamas and stuff. That I do actually kind of find that really, like, weirdly hilarious. Yeah, there are moments that are very, very funny and that are, that are meant to be very, very funny. Um, it's it's a film that manages to. I know you hate the idea of uh, like dramedies. Um, yeah, it's in, just a stupid thing <laughs> in general. But this is the perfect example of how it can work very well because this film is funny and it makes you think and it makes you feel those emotional depths that a drama can do. Um, so it really manages to to pull it all together well. I think it's it's so well crafted. It does. I'm trying to think with Jim Carrey if he'd done anything like this up until that point yes yeah, so he'd done the truman show um, oh yeah which, yeah which, of course that's like his big one which um which really sort of fits the same bill in terms of being a having those comedic moments but also having those wider um dramatic overtones and in fact the the science fiction element as well um all, all works very well um that's a great film obviously the cable guy one of my yep. faves <laughs> i i really i i unironically love and unapologetically love the cable guy i think that's a great film um yeah um so weird and and then he'd also done man on the moon as well by this point that's so good um all of this stuff is so good it's really really i i really love jim carrey and i think some of his early work is just so good it pains me so much that he's like an anti-vaxxer and has all this stupid stuff yeah usually with people you can like separate them from the art but with him for some reason i find it really difficult because he's Canadian and he started out in Canadian comedy clubs and he worked his way up. And I feel like there's a real like genuineness to him. But yeah, that's just so disappointing. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that, though, isn't it? As some people are, uh, they hold very strange views. Um, and I mean, there's also Bruce Almighty. As well. <laughs> that's worse than uh, that's worse than being an anti-vaxxer. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's this is kind of in that interesting time period in Jim Carrey's career where he was doing these these sort of films. So from from the Truman Show onwards, you know, he was mixing it up where he was doing movies like Bruce Almighty, but also things like The Majestic as well. Um, so so all of these all of these interesting movies, um, and he he's still doing some some strange stuff. So he was in The Bad Batch the other year um What's that? which is a kind of dystopian love story offbeat movie um starring jason momoa who is awesome and i love I do, do you know jason momoa yeah, yeah aquaman yes yeah um he's one of my favorite people he seems like a really cool guy if he, he seems so genuine and so nice one, on his uh instagram there was this video of him throwing an axe hitting the middle of the target and immediately chugging a beer and i thought that is the most on-brand thing i've ever seen in my life um yeah he's excellent yeah he's great and uh he, he was in um well he's going to be in the dune movie which is another reason why i'm really excited for the dune movie um, mm-hmm. He was also in the Conan the Barbarian remake that came out a fair few years ago now, um, which is nowhere near as bad as people made it out to be. Um, 
it goes on a bit too long which is the main problem um so it's a very very lengthy and it feels lengthy but the vast majority of it is basically him laughing maniacally and cutting people's heads off which is exactly what you want from a conan the barbarian movie yeah, um, so yeah it was it was all right it was all right it was old conan um so yeah uh jason momoa that's the one thing that's missing from from eternal sunshine of the spotless mind <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if he played tom wilkins in the role like the really serious old doctor yes just try or like medical guy just trying to like save his company and his technology and trying to be on top of it yeah and trying to love his wife and not to fall in love with kirsten dunst and yeah he's just there i mean that would have been ideal really wouldn't it yeah <laughs> that is as an aside that is such a good subplot that happens only over sort of two to three scenes, but actually it's her, um, Kirsten Dunst's character, Mary, who reveals the deceit and the thing of the... Um, she writes to all the patients and tells them that it's happened and that um, all because of her, the like sort of a previous affair that she had with him that was that um, she was forced to have her memory erased. And you only get little snippets of that, but the snippets are enough to make you realise that it was absolutely massive and it's so understated and so well done. Yes, it's it's really great. And it's another element that works fantastically on repeat watches. Because when you when you watch it back again, you recognise actually, even from her early scenes, that there's... The first time you watch it, you think, oh, uh, she's got like a crush on him or, you know, something like that. Or, or there's this real um, admiration for what he's doing. Um, but in reality, actually, it's a lot deeper than that and it's a lot darker than that and the way that they framed it was very very well done um yeah it's, it's, it's when um his, the his wife obviously drives around to see what he's up to and then she sees them kissing and then they they come out and they're all kind of having an altercation and she goes the wife goes to you can have him you did mm. and that's like a huge moment but you immediately know what that means but that there's so much there still that it could mean yeah that's brilliant yeah, so that's great. I'm a big fan. Um, and and I don't know. I th- and she dances with Mark Ruffalo in his tighty whities. So <laughs> that's the most important thing. And I I think as well, um, all of it works towards the the main framing of the movie and the main framing of the technology behind the movie. Um, so that's. And that that kind of cohesiveness to it is so important because of the way that it's shot and because of the way that the the story itself, in, in terms of the individual story beats of they go here, they go there, they go there, is all quite abstract. And so having it be thematically strong uh, across all of those story arcs was very, very important. And it really manages to match that. It's just really, really well put together. And it's really well shot as well. Yeah, all the the scenes and the angles are really, really good. It's like, you know that it's in New Jersey, but it could be anywhere. It's kind of a small town. And you know that they're not far from New York, but it still feels like it could be a million miles away. Yes, yeah. And it's, yeah, and and I like the atmosphere and the weather and the the bleakness of it, I suppose. Um, It all... It all works towards that overall feel of kind of not necessarily helplessness, but a kind of desperation that that matches each of the characters within it as well. It's, it's a lot of of desperate people, really. A lot, of, a lot of yeah. aimlessness, a lot of questions. Um, but that's why it's so good that it's Mary who's the one who fights back against the desperation and she gives that to the rest of them as a gift. Mm. That's really a really unexpected and really good twist. Yes, yeah. And the f- and I think the end of this movie is perfect as well. So, you know, um, if you've listened so far and you haven't seen it, this the, it's too late for you. It's now. too late for you now. So we're just going <laughs> to plow on ahead. Um, but the way that it's sort of they're going to they're clearly going to try again with their relationship on on this kind of fresh slate where they they're getting to know each other all over again um with the understanding that last time it didn't end well and just accepting well if that happens it happens and i think that's a really it's a really interesting idea because it's not painting it as 
these two are star-crossed lovers who are going to be together forever and i like the fact that it's got that realism in there that you know it's it's not about fate and it's not about souls it's like souls meant to be together and soulmates it's just our souls at night <laughs> our, our souls at night um it's which incidentally my dad watched and said it was good yeah i want to watch that at some point um we'll get to it yeah um but instead it it's it's grounded in that way isn't it it's you know people are flawed and relationships don't necessarily last even if the people involved in them are you know work very well together um and and there's there's equally no reason that it won't work this time for them either it's not as though they're their their fate is sealed that it's not going to be a working relationship exactly even in the intervening months or years that they've had it could still it could still work you know it's still a different time they're different people but it does then end the film on a question which is that if you knew that you'd had that relationship previously and it hadn't worked out uh, to the extent that someone had tried to delete it from their memory would you still try again but then and then to to do so against that backdrop is an act of courage so the film ends on an act of romantic courage, but one that's still understated because, as you say, it's grounded in that realism. And I really like that. Yeah, that's really great. I think it's 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 hard to point to a perfect movie. I don't think such a thing exists, but you can structure your film in a way that manages to remove as many flaws as possible. Um, and And that's what this film does. Um, yeah it's it's hard to look at this and think i do this differently i do that differently apart from jason momoa obviously should be in it but apart from that it's well he should be in everything <laughs> exactly exactly if a movie's got not got jason momoa in it you're not getting any any kudos he can be us. in dark window yeah he'll be in dark window he can is, is he is he gonna be a good guy or a bad he'll guy? be a good guy yeah so he's the one who's like running away from the people who think they have his rights and there's some kind of legal thing where it's like, do they have the rights to him, don't they? He has to run away and shoot some people to to work out whether they do or not. He's not the main good guy. I think we still need to cast the main good guy as someone else. Um, yeah. But he's like the resistance person. Uh, so, like a resistance leader. Yeah, kind of exactly. So someone's like trying to get away from the fact that they're someone's trying to eradicate their, their status. And Jason Moore just turns up and says, get in. And they drive off in a big Humvee. And they've got this whole like underground thing going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where there's no real sort of main coordination, but it's clear that he's like the leader of it to try and allow people to live their lives normally um, yeah. without fear of being erased or, or downsized. Or He's a, like a rebel figure you could follow. What, what will we call it? There has to be some kind of evil corporate word for uh for when people's like status is no longer required should we call it synergy maybe hmm synergy like oh we that sounds a bit like sensation <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, you know on the, on, the, on the poster yeah from the from the people who brought you sensations <laughs> and <laughs> wizard cop and wizard cop comes uh comes dark window <laughs> yeah you can you can imagine like and, someone yeah, being like get ready to synergize yeah get ready to synergize it's like you can just imagine being brought into a boardroom and there's these faceless like people in suits and just like you know your numbers are down so you know we, we only use synergy in circumstances like this but we're merging your channel with karen's and then it's like some kind yeah. of horrible body horror thing where they merge these two people together in some machine yeah and all their fans are like yay we love it yeah, oh, we love it. We love um, Nigel and Karen's new channel. <laughs> it's like Nyron. Nyron. Yeah. And the boardroom is literally just 10 Alan Tudics <laughs> yes. sitting around a table. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on board with this. I think this could be a bizarre and horrible Cronenberg-esque uh, dystopian movie. This is our most daring movie yet. Yeah, this is this is sure. the one that everybody hates and that ruins our careers. But then in 20 years' time, people are like, you know what? That oh, was actually good. Yeah, you know, Wizard Cop gets all the plaudits. That that's the one that swept every Oscar. <laughs> but yeah, but but Dark there'll Wind be a Day. really nice like um, editorial written on RogerEbert.com, not by Roger Ebert because he's dead, but by whoever it is who weirdly still owns that site, like calling for a critical reappraisal. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'll, they'll it will appear in multiple BuzzFeed listicles about movies you should give a second chance. Yeah, I'll oh, remember remember Dark Window. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, whatever. I, I actually did think it was good at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> what we're saying is we're going to be the showgirls of, of 2024. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, mate, Showgirls, is it's a movie. It's a film? It is definitely a film. Um, <laughs> Right, okay, if, what, what else have we got to say about, about this? Um, Kate Winslet, also very good. Going back to what we were saying about it being sort of a different film for everyone, um, yeah, I think her performance in this is outstanding and really good and so believable and perhaps m- the most realistic of them all, actually, even though she's the one who's sort of a, is, um, you know, a, a bit less of a straight-laced type. You know, I think she she plays it really, really well as as this kind of extroverted, um, impulsive character, but it still somehow manages to make that understated. Yes, it manages to, and I, I know that some people have sort of lumped her into the manic pixie dream girl boat but i think there's there's a depth and nuance to her character which is missing um from from those other films so i think it actually completely it, it's not fair to put this in the same boat and i think no, the, the writing of her character is that much better um but you know it, it wouldn't be anything without her performance she's great in this yeah she's really good um and also david cross is in this movie yeah david chipmunk cross <laughs> <laughs> he asks if they want to smoke a joint I do like that um, <laughs> on his on his IMDb page, um, there's no mention of the chipmunks on there. Really? Yeah. Well, 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 it doesn't come up in That's known for, which I'm really pleased about. So, uh, um, so That's Arrested good. Development, well, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, Mister Show, and uh, Mega Mind is the other one that shows up. Mega Mind. Yeah. Who he he was the voice of somebody in Mega Mind apparently. Okay, um, I don't... Ah, he's great. Did you ever see um, that sitcom he did, The Increasingly Poor Decisions of Todd Margaret? No, you've told me about it before. Actually, it was it surprisingly good. good and quite underrated. I think um, it was like it was his baby. I think it's him and like weirdly the guy who plays Neil in The Inbetweeners um, as this kind of odd couple business partners. I can't even really remember it that much, but it was really. really I remember it being really good at the time. Okay, oh, brilliant. Yeah, and also whenever people bring up the Alvin and the Chipmunks, he's always really acerbic, and he's just like, "I've still got bills to pay, man. Fuck you," <laughs> which which I really like. Yeah, you know what? It's fine. You can take these roles to make money. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. kids love chipmunks. They shouldn't love Alvin and the Chipmunks, though. <laughs> hey, the cartoon was good. Yeah, that was fine, but the movie can go suck an egg. Yeah, a rotten egg. <laughs> exactly um so so yeah have we got anything else to share about about this movie um let's see kate winslet's good tom wilkinson very very good being being him but he's always good in everything isn't he he yeah i i like him a lot he's very and he's in a lot of british things so obviously that's not good because british things are bad but in this (laughs) get out of here british things yeah what have what have we ever what have we ever given people Nothing. We give them Nothing. Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> Brexit and turnips. <laughs> Brexit and turnips. Which is in- incidentally the name of my metal band. <laughs> yeah. The, the co headlining with what was it I said? I can't remember. <laughs> I've forgotten. Uh, David Cross and the Chipmunks. David Cross and the Chipmunks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> incidentally, there's a, a chipmunk version of Honky Tonk Badonka Donk on YouTube. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why? Why? That was in. That was in the fifth movie or whatever. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the, one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. I can't believe. Have you that. noticed, by the way, that I've started using Honky Tonk Badonka Donk as our theme music in every episode? <laughs> I have. The, the only reason for that is that I deleted one of the old files that had the like clip of the old theme tune in it, and the only one that I had was. The one where I'd used honky tonk badonka donk, so I just lazily left it in. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a thing. <laughs> but now I kind of like it. Yeah, so do I. Do you think be... we should keep it? Uh, maybe. I, I think maybe we should mix it up so sometimes we use it and sometimes we don't. Okay, I'll find something else. I'll find something else that we don't have the rights to. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, exactly. And then we'll get sued for because we're obviously making shitloads of dollar off this podcast. I mean, we are making so much money. We're taking home cash. 
over this. We're making enough money that if Alvin came to us and said, do you want to make a chipmunk movie? We'd be able to say no. Yeah, we'd be like, no, get out. We don't. But seriously, if you want to put us in the next Chipmunks movie, yeah. <laughs> I'm well up for it. Go give on, me, Alvin. I know you me, listen every week. Give me that money, Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> that sweet Chipmunk dollar. Who's your favourite Chipmunk? Uh, Alvin. You're, you, you like the bad no, guys? No, I, I think of a Theodore guy. Yeah, Theodore is the best. No, we can all agree that Simon's the worst, right? <laughs> Simon's... Simon is an idiot. Yes. Well, but I think the problem is that he wasn't an idiot, was he? He was the intelligent one. And, yeah, and, he's a nerd. And the smart ones in those kind of shows are never the best. Who who watches Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and likes um, Donatello the best? No one. Is that, the only the only saving grace of Donatello is that he's better than Leonardo because everyone knows that Michelangelo is the best Ninja Turtle. Yeah, obviously, he's got nunchucks, aka the best weapon. He eats the most pizza. He is the most radical dude. Um. And obviously, the most radical dude is always the best. Radical jokes. <laughs> it's why why Jeremy Corbyn is great because he's the most radical. Because he's a radical ever. dude. <laughs> the absolute boy. Um, the radical boy. <laughs> he's just there skateboarding around his allotment. Yeah, Wikipedia's thing of Alvin and the Chipmunks says. The group consists of three singing animated chipmunks, Alvin the mischievous troublemaker, Simon the tall bespectacled intellectual, and Theodore the chubby shy one. I mean, I don't think anyone comes out of that well. No, no. I think that's doing a disservice to Theodore. We 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 stand Theodore on this channel. Yep. All about Theodore. We should do a separate show all about Theodore. <laughs> Welcome to the Theodore cast. Yep. No. Each episode is five seconds long, just us going, still like Theodore? Yep. He's still the best chipmunk. Still the best chipmunk? Yep. Yep. Oh, we could do a separate podcast where we go through all of the Alvin and the Chipmunks films, animated and otherwise. We could do, but I really don't want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, I just really don't want to do that. I, I'd watch the old ones. Give me the old old chipmunk movies. Yeah, for sure. 80s ones were great. Yeah. So, have you got anything else to share about about this movie? No, I think that's it. It's good. Michel Gondry is very good as a director. He's done some music videos, he's done some films, he's done a whole bunch of stuff, has a great aesthetic and sensibility, but is clearly willing to tell a great story in the way that it needs to be told. Can't knock it. Yes, yeah. Uh, he, it's great. This film's great. Go watch it if you've not. Yeah, if you've not seen it. This is a film I demand that you watch now. <laughs> yeah, go watch it immediately. I don't care if you're listening on your way to work. Yeah, Call stop in what sick. you're doing. Yeah. Call, Call in, in sick, sick catch yeah. a train to Montauk. <laughs> and fall in love. Yeah, that's what this film will help you do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a very good um, palate cleanser after watching Love is Blind, which was rubbish. <laughs> How dare you? Which is very confusing and strange and stupid. Yes, it is all of those things, but still, how dare you? <laughs> all right. Uh, do you have trivia? Um, trivia is, I like this movie. Cool. cool. Uh, very good. Very no, good. I'm sure there's... Let me let me look some up now. I haven't... No, I got, I, got a, I got a trivia. I thought you would, you would have had it, but Claire told me this, which is that, you know, there's like a couple of clips where they... There's like a circus with elephants and stuff. Or it's like there, there are elephants in the street or whatever. There's some kind of big part, elephant party going on. Yes. That was not um, supposed to be there. They just randomly walked past it during filming and were like, let's get on this. And it just happened to be there and they kept it in. Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. That's cool. Just as a kind of thing for their relationship. Ah, oh, very nice. A little bit of, yeah, showing them having fun. Why not? I'm I'm digging it. <laughs> Random elephants. Everyone digs an elephant, right? Yeah, particularly when it's a surprise a surprise gets. elephant. Yeah. <laughs> so it never forgets. It remembers everything. It would not be very good if they tried to use it use the machine from this movie on it because it just would not work. Oh, are you still there? Yep, I am. Sorry, I dropped out for a second. I suddenly went very quiet on the other line. I, like, uh, I made the mistake mystery. of trying to download a 
a very very large app half an hour before we started recording and it still hasn't finished doing it so my Uh, system's a little bit overloaded (laughs) all right i I will keep this brief then no it's good um so uh according to mark ruffalo the scene where stan and mary dance in their underwear over an unconscious joel was improvised seems like that kind of scene but great why not um then another bit here uh in the in the tape recorded sessions um jim carrey accidentally wrecked the tape recorder when he got too into the scene and threw it across the room that's so, like the kind of thing he'd do so, so guys get too into it. the scene um a, se- a sex scene with mark ruffalo and kirsten dunce was shot but was cut due to length and i actually quite like that they don't have that in there yeah it's not necessary is it yeah i think it uh, i don't think that would have been necessary um so they made the right call there um and yeah uh here's 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 a good bit for you as well for us uh before jim carrey expressed interest in playing joel nicholas cage was considered for the role no way yeah no way (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to picture it but i can't i think part of it is actually because jim carrey's performance is so good that it's hard to picture anyone else but nicholas cage really that would have made it a totally different film. <laughs> it would have been very different. Nicolas Cage crying under the table in his pajamas. <laughs> I want the cage cut. I, I kind of want this to happen. We need to get the, get it remade. The the remake <laughs> of this with Nicolas Cage is going to be the film that redeems us after making Dark Window. Yep. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> It'd be like our second chance. Definitely. Um, and then the final bit of trivia, uh, this movie was the inspiration for the indie video game To The Moon. Have you ever played To The Moon? I have not. It is super great. So it's about these doctors who, um, there's this guy who's dying and they're they're using uh, this new technology to give him artificial memories. Um, and it's a really powerful, um, quite emotional video game. Um, and so it's interesting to see that the the inspiration for it came from this film. Wow, that sounds great. It is really good. Uh, I recommend everybody, <laughs> hey, watch this movie, go and watch Dark Tourist, and uh, go and download To The Moon, because it's awesome. Yeah, that's loads of recommendations. Yeah, we've got a lot a lot on the go here. Nice. So how are we um, going to rate this? Oh, how many memories would you erase? <laughs> of watching this film. Of watching this film. <laughs> no, I wouldn't erase any of them. Um, <laughs> I would erase 17 memories. Yeah. Oh, very That's good. It. And I, I would erase 18 memories. Yeah, it's high. I don't know why I can't push it up even higher, I guess, because I didn't necessarily even really have a bad word to say about it. So, yeah. But that just feels right to me. Yeah, that's the thing. I can't. I th- that that gives it a, a nine out of ten in my book, and it it is amazing. But I don't know. There's something holding me back from going going full on higher than that. Yeah, it's maybe not necessarily like a life changing, mind blowing everything film, but it is extremely good. Yes, yeah, it's it's great and holds up. It does hold up really well, um, which you know is a real testament to the to the quality crafting. Maybe I'm just marking it down for the creepiness of Elijah Wood's soul patch. <laughs> I'm marking it up for the soul patch. <laughs> That's what you like. I love a good soul patch. Right. Uh, what are we watching next? So I want to go down as a similar route. So so it's Garden State. Uh, well, <laughs> I was thinking... Do you, you mean a sensitive fuckboy route? Yeah, I want to go down the sensitive fuckboy route, possibly down another sort of magic realism route as well. Those kind of fantastical elements. Cool. So I'm going to give you three choices. I want to. I kind of want to name them for you. Though, scary, first. very scary, and not scary at all. The the the, the three Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so we've got. I'll, I'll just name them for you, and then you can decide out of these three. Um, so we've got Garden State. If you want to see me get irate about about Garden movie. State, I'll get irate. <laughs> um, then, if you want to go down the, the the magic realism route, we've got the Lake House. Not, um, I haven't seen that. So it's a remake of a previous film. We'll be we'll be watching the 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 American version. Uh, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock 
um, both own a house, but interesting magic stuff. Cool. I, I won't say more than that. And Keanu. Um, and then finally, down the sort of indie emotional comedy drama route, Dan in Real Life. I've not seen that either. Um, which is, do you know Dan in Real Life? Is Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Yeah. I've seen a poster and it's just his face. <laughs> That's how you know it's good. Yeah. Um, I've, well, the two two out of those three I've not seen, but I really am tempted to go with the one I've seen, which is Garden State, because I want to hear you get irate. So let's do that. <laughs> cool, man. We'll go with Garden State then. Yeah. And then we can park those others for. What, yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk. Although we are getting we'll talk, close to Christmas. So. Yeah, we'll talk about the other two probably um, the other side of Christmas sometime. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's Garden State do it up a notch then. All right. So the only other thing to mention is the trailer for the new Sonic movie, which looks awesome. Yeah, it's got a new design. And I hope all of the people that worked horrendous hours to get all the animation sorted for the new model uh, get paid lots of money. And I hope everyone who complained about it, who now says that it looks good, goes to see it. Yeah, I genuinely, but even just the the animation aside, like it looks fun. It looks like a really enjoyable and kind of stupid, but brilliant movie. And Jim Carrey looks amazing in it. Yes. Yeah. Um, So yeah, particularly if you're one of those people that got angry about the initial design and are happy now, please go and see it in the cinema because people work very hard to, to make you happy. And the least you could do is go and go and watch it. Yes, absolutely. Give give Jim Carrey your money. Give Sonic <laughs> your money. Give Sonic your money. Yeah, he needs it because he he didn't come to this planet with any money. No, no, he uh, he he's Penniless. got rings. He yeah. got loads of rings, but no no cash. Mario's loaded because he's collecting coins all the time. Yeah, but, he but is Sonic. rich AF. Sonic ain't got that. Yeah, he's the poor relation. <laughs> no, but, but genuinely, it looks great. I'm excited. Yes, yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, in that case, um, I mean, just say thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind as much as we did. Uh, love to hear from you on the Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod on um, emails Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail Drop us a line. Why not? What would you like to erase from your memory? We can't guarantee that we can do it for you, but we'll maybe come up with a film that hints that you might be able to in the future. Yeah, what would you erase if you had the chance? Would you would you erase it, or would you choose not to? Yeah. What would you do if I sang out of tune? <laughs> <laughs> I'd get up and stop recording this podcast. <laughs> All right, anyway. So let's do that. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye.